busy, body busy tonight. Hey guys, it's Lauren. And it's Emma. And you're back with Community. We're very excited to have you here for week two. Thank you to everybody who has listened to our first podcast. Oh my God. Week two. Oh my God. The first, it was last week was very exciting because it was really cool to see um, how much support we got from people and like how into it you guys were. Um, your excitement fueled us and our excitement. So we're super, we're just really happy about it. We are. And we're also really excited about the feedback we've gotten so oh far. God, yes. um, just there are suggestions that have come in, um, thinking about it in ways that we hadn't, which is exactly yes. why we asked for feedback. And it's exciting. So we're happy to um, take in all that and keep bringing you something better every week. And um, in other exciting news, related exciting news, oh. we are now on. Yes, we are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You yeah, can yeah. now find us easily on all of your places that you listen to or that most people listen to podcasts, right. let's say, on Apple. So, Lauren, I have a question for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? How did you do on your to-dos from last week's episode? Okay, I am so proud to say I did really well. Um so for those of you who don't remember, uh, my to-dos from last week was to um, just look up, take a second to look up for like two seconds, five seconds when I'm on the train and I have a seat just to make sure that, um, you know, there isn't anyone who should get my seat and I'm not seeing them because I'm just like too consumed in my world or whatever. And I'm happy to say that I made a conscious effort to do that. And one of the times that I did, it was this. Um, older woman she was like the cutest thing and she she didn't she had a cane but it wasn't like a cane it was like one of those like walking sticks mm -hmm. and so the way it, it was like one of those things where you could tell she was looking around to be like okay somebody needs to get up and mm -hmm. like nobody was getting up and mm -hmm. I just looked I did like the double take thing you know when you look up and you're like oh okay here's my chance and so I offered it to her and she was just like so appreciative and um at the next stop, I got a different seat back anyway. So I feel like that was the universe being like, here you go. That's a really good example. And it's also one of those things where it's been a week. Um, you did it once or twice. Yeah. Um, and that might seem small, but right. for that person, that was yeah. a big deal. Like she was probably tired. She was looking around. You know how you could tell when they're like, OK, let me just look mm -hmm. around and make eye contact mm -hmm. with somebody. But um, and it wasn't just like against anybody that was sitting around me. It's just that, you know, it was busy. It was like, yeah. I don't know, 630 on a Tuesday or right. something. Um, and so I, I, I do attribute, you know, me being able to see her and connect with her to me actually making a conscious effort to do it. So mm -hmm. that was really exciting. I was like, I was like, OK, here we go. Making a little impact on That's the train awesome. community. Yay. Yeah, I know. Um, so other than being a upstanding citizen on the subway <laughs> how was how was the rest of your week this week was good I mean you know crazy busy it's corporate volunteer season everybody is defrosting it is and wants to get out there and do good for the community which is great but personally one of the most exciting things about the week was that I bought new luggage Ooh. okay so to some of y'all out there it may seem like okay girl you bought some luggage but I am a person who is very anti-checking bags. So when I travel, like it takes a lot for me to check a bag and I don't even own like real luggage. And so I'm going on a, a trip next month that, that where I need luggage. Um, and I was having a lot of anxiety around the fact that 
I'm going to have to check luggage. And it gave me like actual anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I was doing my research and I came across the away luggages. Is that is that the correct use? Luggages? Just <laughs> is that, one luggage. Is that it's, is it Maybe like, it's a piece of luggage and then together their luggage. I don't know. Somebody let us know. Okay. Well, for now, I'm going to say I ran across these luggages. (laughs) And I came across Away, like the Away luggage. This is not sponsored. I was just really kind of taken aback by the uh, shopping experience. So Away has a New York City location, like an actual uh, brick and mortar, which I think it may be the only one. And so I was like, all right, well, let me just go ahead and take advantage of that. Let me tell you, that was the best shopping experience. I did not expect to... Have such a great shopping experience for luggage. Hey, I already had so much anxiety around it. So I was like, oh my God, here we go. Mm-hmm. Like I'm about to go in here and just like be one of those people with rolly bags. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like I got issues. I know. Bags. I just, yeah, whatever. So I walk in, there's like a line of, you know, personal shoppers like ready to greet you at the door, but it's not like foo-foo stuffy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best part is, which you can tell this is a woman-owned business, is that they have this uh, mirror from floor to ceiling. It is huge, gigantic. And you can like, they, you know, you pick out the ones you want to see, like the different colors and stuff. And you can like walk in front of the mirror to see how you look <laughs> with, the, with the luggage. And I was like, this is, this is like, this is perfect because, you know, you don't, you want to see what you look like. Like, mm-hmm. does the red, you know, go with your vibe? Does the green go with your vibe? And I'm glad they had the mirror because I thought I wanted the red. when really, it was the army green. It was the army green one. And they refilled my water bottle for mm, me. Attention to detail is mm-hmm. everything. So you love attention to detail. I love some attention to detail. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, you know, despite all the crazy stuff going on in the week, that was like a, a bright spot. Um, again, not sponsored, but I have to say, like, you got me with the shopping experience away. But yeah, anyway, how was your week? My week was good. It was Busy, but I had yeah. a very fun experience um, yesterday. So the um, organization that I work for has an annual um, event that's put on by uh, participants, mostly um, in high school. Mm. Um, this year, their theme was around storytelling. Um, and so since I do corporate engagement, mm-hmm. I volunteered to help with volunteers sure, because that's sure. also what I do. Part of that was food service. So making sure mm. that the food was set up and um, and got served, but it turned out that we they had ordered so much more food than we needed, mm. right? And that was great because the the kids got to eat as much as they wanted, which is great. They had a lot of choices, right? So we're finished, and there's still like half the food left yeah. for breakfast. And we're like, well, what are we gonna do, right? Yeah. So I'm like, well, let's Google. Um, you know, like, is there a program here later? No. Mm-hmm. Um, let's Google. I was like, let's Google like a shelter. Maybe they'll come oh, by and pick yeah. up the food. But then we realized there's a senior center literally right next door. Wow. So we're like, all right, well, we'll box it all up and we'll bring it over to the senior center. Yeah. But somehow the the it got miscommunicated and the seniors came over, oh. which was actually <laughs> really lovely. Um, yeah. So we did food service for all the kids. And then oh. the seniors came over and they were able to like make all these plates of food and um, bring it back with them. They were able to make it even for their friends who they were like, oh, she can't come out or like she yeah. maybe isn't as yeah. mobile. Um, and they were able to bring them food. And then when lunch came, like they were back, they were like, we're ready for lunch too. <laughs> we had so much extra food. So, oh, I love um, that. so that was actually a really nice unexpected yeah. thing. And I was thinking like, well, this is really like what community is and yes. it's about. Right. Um, I felt really good that everything got used yeah. um, or eaten 
um, people were able to put away some for the rest of the week. And um, for those of you who did follow the Instagram when we started it, you know that we talked about um, elderly people and food access. So, you know, it's always really nice um, to be able to do something even very small to help impact um, that they don't always have. Right. Like they can't always physically get to places to access food. Right, so right, right. anyway, it was That's really great. nice. Oh it was lovely. God, I love that. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So it was, it was a nice way to end the week. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess let's go ahead and get into the show. Let's do it. All right. First segment is what we're sipping on. Um, and I guess I can start. Please do. All right. So this week, I am sipping on um, Hope for Weeksville Heritage Center. I heard this about this last week, um, and it really caught my attention because I was like, what? Like, I don't know. I live in Brooklyn. I have no idea what's going on with this. Um, and so Weeksville Heritage Center um, is like a place area in what is present day Crown Heights, Brooklyn, um, that used to be a community for freed slaves. So this was like pre-Civil War um pre-emancipation proclamation mm-hmm. all that stuff and so it was just like a safe space for slaves like when they were free to right. go and like regroup and figure out what it means to be a freed slave so, and there's like these like road houses where they actually lived and um they turned back in the 60s they turned it into like a heritage center so folks can go and like learn about the um just like the history obviously and right. just like consider it like a, a special place that you can go to like learn your history so recently, uh, the, unfortunately, the organization has been like um, under threat to close down. Damn. And so when I was reading about it, they were just talking about how over the years they've been able, they've been unable actually to secure grants. So they've been like um, applying for grants with like federal and like city government to, you know, help them uphold everything just because, you know, this is operational cost period. You know, you need somebody mm-hmm. to weatherproof things to make sure that everything, you know, is stable and isn't like collapsing and decomposing and everything. And so one of the challenges that they found out is that it's hard, it's difficult to get grants when you're not, when you don't have programming that's actually like supporting a person. Like right. when obviously you used to be in grants, so you know how that goes. Right. Well, it's like yeah. they want to know like numbers served exactly. or like yeah. impact. And you're yeah. like, well, I don't know exactly how we're going right. to measure the impact of showing people this history that is a part right. of that, all of our history, right, in America. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But it's still important, even if we don't yes. have numbers. Right. Right. <laughs> and so... After trying and trying and trying, they turned to crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. And so they started this crowdfunding page uh, on CrowdRise or whatever. And was like, hey, y'all, like, we're going to have to close our doors come right. June if we don't get X amount of money. And so um, fast forward, you know, links are being sent, articles are being written and they start getting they start getting some traction. And I think it said they needed two thousand, excuse me, two hundred thousand uh, to like basically keep the doors open mm-hmm. come June and like through September, and they needed three hundred thousand to like have them have like emergency fund reserve right. so they can like have some time to figure out what to do, mm-hmm. but like also still pay the bills and like pay people to work because I mean this is New York City, so like right. people actually need money to work, which yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Honestly, I'm probably sure they have so many people who are like doing so much for free, but I think people should get paid for like. Right. Especially <laughs> like, for being people that are are maintaining history. Yes, yes. Right. They're maintaining history for all of us. Um, yes. Well, that was one of the things that stuck out to me because, you know, especially about the granting, which I mean, not listen, I'm a nonprofit. I get it. But at the same time, like 
why should this place who has this like incredible story and like rich history, not only is it a part of American history, it's a part of New York City history. It's Mm -hmm. a part of the borough history. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's a part of my history, you know, as African-American. And so I'm thinking like, why do these people have to like beg, like not beg, but, you know, like ask the community to like, hey, so we tried reaching out for help from like powers that be that Mm -hmm. should be supporting this. And we got no. So now we're turning to the community. So, yeah, so they had all these crowd run, crowd rise, crowdfunding pages going on. And um, I'm happy to say, as of like an hour ago, <gasps> they've raised um, 257000 out of the 300000 that they amazing. were trying to. So I just found that to be so inspiring because, and it, and it also tells the story, right? It's like the community is telling them like, hey, we care about this. Right. We, regardless of like what grants, whatever, we care about this mm-hmm. and we understand that, um, you know, this is something that's, that's important. And um, yeah, I, I saw this story and uh, just really, it touched me a little yeah. about, well, a lot really about how this in, in this time we live in now, like, yes, we're so caught up in, you know, technology in our day to day, but it's a great, a great example of how technology can be used and mm-hmm. the internet can be used to like connect us in a way that we can come through for each other. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's my sipping on. I saw that and was really inspired by that. Um, Thanks. Yeah, Thanks what about for sharing you? that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> what are you um, sipping on this week? So this week I am sipping on an article that was in Harper's Bazaar. I don't know if it was actually in the print magazine because I don't read print <laughs> no, magazines, yeah. even though as a child it was my number one favorite thing to do. But it was definitely on the website. Okay. Um, and it was called Men Have No Friends and Women Bear the Burden. Um, so just to kind of start out, the article is based on, you know, heteronormative relationships. So mm-hmm. it's, it's based on the idea of a relationship between a man and a woman. Yeah. Um, but obviously we know that is not the only form of relationships existing, right, but I just want right. to put that out before we dive into it. And so it's the idea that women are often taking on the additional emotional burden of supporting men because, mm-hmm. as the title says, men have no friends. Um, <laughs> so this is a blanket statement, but really, like, in society, women are encouraged to have these, like, deep platonic relationships mm-hmm. with each other, right? Um, we're encouraged to talk about our feelings. We're encouraged to support each other in a right. way that men are not given the same space to. Um And so it made me think about like years ago, I learned the term homosociality, Mm. homosociality. And it's really about um, social bonds between people of the same sex. Mm. And the idea that the range of women's um, homosociality is larger than men's. Right. Mm. So an example might be, you know, women can let's say a, a 14 year old girl can walk down the street holding her her woman friend's hand Um, and in many places and situations no one will think twice they'll just be like oh they're friends and they're showing um, you know emotional support for each other Mm -hmm. Um, but if two boys of the same age do the same thing um, we are as a society don't allow that it makes people uncomfortable and that's obviously because of our right um, you know homophobia in our society Um, and you know that isn't to say that that for women, that would be the case everywhere and in sure, every situation, sure. but generally, right? Like right. women are allowed to do to have yeah. more homosocial behaviors than men are. Yeah. And so they don't form the same like deep platonic relationships. And, you know, the article goes into a bit about like um, older men, meaning like 
I guess our age, so yeah. older. <laughs> we are, we 40s, are the older 50s, now. It's us. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know that sometimes the only friends they have are friends at work, right? Mm. Which is like not necessarily the same relationship right. as you have with your friend that you're like getting brunch with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so women are taking on this additional emotional labor to like support the men in their lives um, and in this article, particularly in, mm-hmm. in your relationships. Um, and then it talks a bit about, which I think is really important that, you know, if a man doesn't have a lot of friendships, but maybe needs to talk to somebody like mm-hmm. theoretically, they could go to therapy, sure. but therapy is important. Um, important. It is important. Yes. And it's expensive, which is it what is. I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, it's expensive. It and is. even if you have coverage through insurance, yeah. Is expensive. It's still a lot. And it's also not culturally accepted in every culture, right? right? Like sometimes right. it's looked at as there's something wrong with you right. as opposed to like you're just getting additional support. Right. So there are all these other barriers. Um, yeah. I mean, I know for the men, like different men in my life, um, I always find one of the funniest things to be like, you'll, you know, you'll meet with them and they'll be like, oh, you know, my friend such and so like John, yeah. um, he, him and his girlfriend broke up. And you're like, well, what happened? And they're like, I don't know. I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, how did you not? Like, that would have been right. a four hour conversation oh. with my friend. We would have been deep diving. We've been in psychology. We would have gone back in history. We would have been on the Instagram. Like, we would have had like three bottles of wine, <laughs> right. come over, like, right. bring good takeout. Let's put some pillows <laughs> on the floor. Like, let's talk this out. Okay, what happened, girl? Like, <laughs> it's just always been really interesting to yeah. me. And, and look, it's uh, a lot of the men in my life do have close relationships, sure, but sure. if they, if they even aren't in a place where they're being like, so what happened? Yeah. Um, you know, not meaning that the person wants to talk about it, but like, are we creating spaces for that? Yeah. Um, anyway, I just there was one stat before I close out that I wanted to um, add, which was that they did a, a British study and this is referenced in the mm-hmm. article um and 2.5 million men admitted to having no close friends what like that makes me legit i'm like that makes me sad like oh you don't God. have close friends like i don't even how? know what I, I don't do. know what i would do yeah I, I honestly yeah. I, <laughs> so i mean i know this is one of those things where like my friends we were talking about this article and my friend said like well we have to now do the emotional labor to like get them to make friends <laughs> <laughs> And it's like, well, I mean, yes, like that is well, really frustrating. Know. But like, you know, maybe we can just like encourage it. And I think that the fact that it's in a mainstream right, publication right. is cool because you can just like casually leave that out or like send the link, um, <laughs> you know, and they're just like, oh, Harper's Bazaar as opposed to like menneedfriends.com. Right. You know, they're like not going to read. <laughs> www.menneedfriends.org.eu. <laughs> I'll make that website. <laughs> awesome. Cool. So we will move right along um, and go into our segment with our where we talk about our impact influencers. So I can start. Sure. Um, so as we are recording this last weekend was Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I wanted to take that opportunity. And it is from an organization called National Bailout. Um, and I'm going to read part of their mission because mm-hmm. Um, as people who are in nonprofits, we know that um, nonprofits spend a lot of time yeah. figuring out exactly how to explain what they do. So I think it's important to just read it. So it is um, a black led and black centered collective of abolitionist organizers, lawyers and activists building a community based movement to support our folks and end systems of pretrial detention and ultimately mass incarceration. Wow. Yeah. Um what I wanted to highlight that they do because they do a lot of things, um, but I wanted to highlight their hashtag free black mamas campaign, which they do 
um, for Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. And they work with organizations across the country to bail out as many black mothers as they can um, and caregivers Mm -hmm. for Mother's Day. Mm They have bailed out over 300 people and paid almost $1 million in bail, which like I also say that stat to say they've paid they paid over a million dollars in bail and that only got 300 people out of jail, which just I think shows like that is why so many people are are awaiting bail payment because it's so high. Um, And that's the only reason that people are still sitting in, in jail. Yeah. Um, they have 23 partner organizations. Um, and then this year they bailed out um, 106 mothers. So last weekend they bailed out 106 people, which is 106 caregivers. Crazy. If you multiply that, let's assume they're caregiving for at least two people. Yeah. You have changed the lives of over 200, yeah. 200 people, plus their communities, their extended families, all of that. So I want to highlight that campaign that comes around once a year, but you obviously can support that work anytime. So um, they have a fellowship that promotes leadership for people bailed out. um, And the idea is to create a national community of people who are most impacted. So um, they're very clear, um, as I think um, many organizations are starting to be more so now that the people who are the most impacted Mm -hmm. need to be the people leading the movement. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Crazy concept. Yeah. (laughs) But one thing that is really cool, if you just want to learn more about like their movement, um, they do have toolkits available online and they do say, you know, their work focuses specifically on black communities because they're often excluded from these conversations, Mm -hmm. even though they are often disproportionately the most impacted by it. Um, But that they do encourage people to use the toolkit in any communities to disrupt the system because everybody is impacted by it. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, what what I read a little bit about it. And my thing is there are so many people who are just waiting to even know if they're going to be charged yep. simply because they don't have the money yep. to get out. And so it's like you could be sitting in there, which a lot of people are, by the way, you can be sitting in there and not even going to be charged. You're innocent and you're literally just sitting there mm-hmm. because of simple fact you don't have ten thousand dollars or whatever crazy amount to even get out to be with your children to be with your family whomever right and i think like what we just said if you're going like yeah that seems insane the next time you read the words pre-trial detention mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pay attention the next time you hear someone talking about bail bonds pay attention Man. because a bail bond <laughs> is directly related to being able to bail people out while they are awaiting um, mm-hmm. trial. In going back to the fact that these are mothers or caregivers, you know, we were so quick to say, well, you know, what did you do to get in that position? Regardless of that, like, think about that. What what happens when they have children? What mm-hmm. happens when you don't have, you know, a grandmother, an aunt, who, whoever, like a, a safe, a person who you deem a safe and comforting space mm-hmm. for your children to, to be with and live mm-hmm. with while you're like, what happens to those kids? Yeah. And yeah. I think it's also, you know, a really important to just check out the work that they're doing because they're also their ultimate goal, I think, or one of them is, you know, end mass incarceration. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. really even just like removing this entire system that um, locks people up. So I also just want to highlight that because there's obviously a lot more to what they do than what we're highlighting. Um, And they are the experts in this work. We're just hoping to kind of open people's eyes to what they're doing so that they're on your radar and you can support them if this is something that you feel like you can, you know, either monetarily contribute to um, or even just want to see people who are the most impacted by it be the leaders of the this movement. Yeah. So, yeah, that's great. That's, That's really great. 
Um, yeah. Okay. So my impact influencer of the week is a little different. Um, so I'm highlighting uh, this young woman named Natalie Hampton. Um, she is the founder of Sit With Us. Uh, she's this 18-year-old girl, excuse me, not girl. She's this 18-year-old young woman. Yes. Um, I just say girl because I'm, you know, getting to that age where everyone under like 25 is a baby. <laughs> <laughs> Are you 12? I know, right? You're it's 12 like, or you're 40. Right? There's no, <laughs> There's in, between. no in between. <laughs> I mean, basically. Um, no, but she is 18-year-old from California. And she created an app called uh, Sit With Us. And so this app. Um, and this movement, I guess, um, it's uh, something that helps students in schools uh, foster a sense of community during lunchtime. So her story was that, you know, basically growing up, you know, middle school, high school, she got bullied a lot, um, specifically around like lunchtime. And it, all of us who have been in middle school and high school, well, actually, I'll just speak for myself. It was a beast. Like when mm -hmm. you're walking in middle school, you know, a lot of things are happening. You don't know what's going on with your body, with your emotions. You know, what is a friend group? Like what is a social circle? And then to um, have to walk into these spaces where there's like so many kids and right. you got to make sure you know the right person. And I don't know. It, it can be very stressful and and um, and very hard for kids. And, you know, if there's always like bullying going on and everything. Yeah. So um, I just thought this was a really great way uh, to foster a sense of community in the school um, for students who may feel like they don't have anyone to sit with or they don't have any friends. Um, so basically the way it works is you download this app and then she also has like a little toolkit on her website that you can kind of, it's like anybody can download it and you can download the toolkit if you want to be an ambassador in your school. So basically the person who's like kind of like, um, you know, corralling folks or like leading the group of like, hey, you can download this app. You can see who else is on there. If you don't have anyone to sit with, you can look on there. And like we're sitting at table 32 in lunchtime D. You can kind of look and see who you can sit with. And I just thought it was really, a really interesting and cool way for her to kind of turn her not so great experience uh, and turn that around into something positive and yeah. support other students who may be feeling like, you know, they don't belong or they don't have anybody to literally sit with, um, which for us, we're like, oh, whatever. Back in the day, we didn't, you know, mm -hmm. you just sat wherever, you know, or you went in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. But when, you know, it's so easy for us to say, like, back in the day, what happened? But <laughs> the reality of it is, like, you know, I'm not comparing anybody's journey or saying, like, someone's experience is harder than someone else's. But I would say kids today have it, they have it pretty hard, you know, like with IG. And, and another interesting thing, too, uh, uh, kind of how it differentiates between the times is that, you know, back in the day, let's say you had a hard day at school and you got bullied or whatever. You could go home and at least take a breather. Mm -hmm. And now it's like people can email you. They can tag you on Instagram. They can. Bullying is like something crazy right now. Like it, it's mm -hmm. like. <laughs> so we like barely had internet when I was in middle school because we're old. <laughs> right. You know, we use face serums and stuff. That's how you know we're old. But yes, I stay with. The and serum. and I experienced online bullying when there was barely internet. When and you had to dial up. Yeah, it was literally like you had to sit on your like if you were lucky enough to even have a family computer and you had yep. to like AOL with the phone number everything. Um, and it was terrible. Yeah, you know, and there was like barely internet. Like not even everyone could get to it. Like we weren't connected like that mm -hmm. um and it sucked so i can't even imagine for kids now and right. also like if we ever find ourselves doing that like well in our day just remember is, like, is like the, the word crotchety, crotchety. just like crotchety don't be crotchety <laughs> <laughs> don't be crotchety i feel like this is gonna be like a you know personality <laughs> for you i think you guys have my crotchety voice <laughs> it's regular emma and crotchety emma
no in between. <laughs> no, but I think um I think it's really cool that she she did that and even though the our um impact influencers are really different, mm-hmm. there was one small thing that I noticed but yeah. I think is important, which yeah. is that they both have these toolkits. Mm. And you know, I think it's worth highlighting that a lot of times um with issues where we're like, I don't know what to do, or yeah. it seems really big. Like organizations understand that people need to know how to do this and do it right. Um, and so they build toolkits, yeah. you know, so it's out there. Right. Yeah. And and it's really important, like literally just Google the issue and then put toolkit at the end. And I'm You'll sure probably find it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shout out to this girl and, mm-hmm. and shout out to her for, you know, using her background or platform or everything that she's gone through to turn it around and realize that there are other students going through this. I mean, we see, we hear about a different story every other week about some student like being bullied and, mm-hmm. you know, harming themselves or trying to harm themselves and harm themselves. And, you know, we definitely have to to do what we can to, to try to combat that. And, and that's what Miss Hampton did. So shout out to you, Natalie Hampton, um, and keep going. And um, you're inspiring a lot of people, including the people around you. You're inspiring, mm-hmm. you know, 30-somethings who mm-hmm. haven't been in school for a long time, <laughs> but we see you and we appreciate it. We do. All right. So today we are going to do a little bit of a deep dive um, into food deserts. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you may have heard this time before. Uh, I feel like it's pretty widely used, but maybe never really explained or talked about. So a food desert is basically... Um, a neighborhood or a place in a city um, or rural area that where affordable, healthy food options um, are almost non-existent, uh, specifically fresh produce. So, you know, healthy food is like this blanket statement for a lot of things, but um, specifically like fresh, healthy uh, produce and, and live food, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so food deserts happen in both rural and rural. Like rural. Aren't you from a rural area? Rural. <laughs> it's one of those words. I'm like, what am I saying? Um, yeah, I am from a rural area. Yes, <laughs> I can't even say the word. So these are so food deserts are found in both rural and urban areas, and you know there is some nuance there. You know what that could look like on the ground. Um, so in rural areas, it's just about like proximity to food. Um, and then in urban areas, the emphasis may be more on like what food is actually in the stores that are available. Right. So there's yeah. like a federal definition, yeah. right, which is within a mile. Um, and usually it's a supermarket because they have a big variety. Sure. Because um, we know there are like in New York City, there's corner stores everywhere. Right. But that doesn't mean that you can access fresh right. food at your corner store necessarily. And so that might look really different. You might look at an urban block and be like, oh, well, I see seven places sure. that you can get food here. But that doesn't mean it's fresh food. And that doesn't mean also mean it's affordable. But that's a whole that's a whole other, whole thing. other thing. Yeah. Um, and then in rural areas, it might just be like there's just farmland everywhere or, right. or whatever it is that's in a rural area. I never lived in it's one, like cows. So. It's like it's like livestock and stuff. Oh, right. It's outside. So it's like urban, suburban and then rural. Yeah. Rural is like the most remote. Yeah. Right? It's like, okay. you know, livestock, you know, you grow in, I don't know, fields of mm-hmm. corn. I feel like my Texas family is going to be like, girl, you know what it is. In there. Um, <laughs> I know. I can just be like, I don't know. I'm a New Yorker. So I don't know. But there's New York and there's everywhere. I else. feel like that means I need to trip back home soon. Um, so um, when we think about food deserts, we're going to focus in a little bit on urban areas mm-hmm. because we're not focused only on New York City. Sure. But that is where we are um, and where we do our work. So um, 
One of the things that I found interesting was that they studied like how does income affect this, right? Mm. And that doesn't even necessarily mean how does your income affect what you can buy, but how does your um, household income affect whether or not you're going to be in a food desert. So when they looked at households with less than 25000 per year um, of income versus households with 70 k um, plus, they found that more than half of zip codes with the below 25000 fit the definition of food deserts. Wow. More than half. You know, 25 to 30 million Americans live in food deserts as of 2018. And, you know, when we think about um, food choices, we can each individually think about, like, what is it that we um, what are the decisions that we're making every day about what we're putting into our body? And especially now with like the crazy Mm -hmm. emphasis, particularly on the gram around healthy food, like. Well, you don't even have access to it. Right. Right. Like what what happens when, you know, you go to your local bodega or Mm -hmm. corner store and it's just like some bell peppers that look questionable Mm -hmm. or, you know, like a banana orange, Mm -hmm. you know, like like what what then do you do? Right. Like what options do you have? Right. Um, So we're going to do like a little bit of education in here, too. Um, So one of the things is I think a lot of people have heard of food stamps Mm. um, and other types of assistance programs. Um, So we're just going to break that down. So food stamps are not called food stamps anymore, Mm -hmm. like officially. Um, It's called SNAP, which is a Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. SNAP is obviously a lot easier to say. Right. Um, So we're going to do that. And so one good thing to know in New York City is that we have a website called access.nyc.gov. And it'll actually screen you if you put in your information oh. for 30 different types of services that you can get, like oh, um, assistance programs. Yeah. What's the average amount mm-hmm. that you would actually get? Because it's an assistance program, mm-hmm. right? This is not supposed to get you every bit of food that you need. And I think that's what, mm-hmm. not sorry. Not no, please go. I think that's what, like, that's what the emphasis is for me is that it's, it's assistance. So assistance. I think far too often when we say, food stamps or she's on, you know, she's getting a check from the government or he's mm-hmm. getting a check from the government or whatever. We're like, oh, well, they don't have to work because whatever. It's called an assistance program. So yes. <laughs> these checks are not that big. The average that you receive a month is in New York mm-hmm. is $138.20 for a person. So I did the math for you guys, which you know how to use a calculator for because that is not my number <laughs> one. Calculator. So I did it assuming that it's February, which 28 days. Right. And let's say you figured out how to only eat two meals per day. No snacks, no mm. breakfast. You're on your lunch, your dinner diet because mm-hmm. you have to be. That's less than $2.50 per meal. And where are you going to get that? Right. Or like, what are you going to get for that? Right. right. Like you could you can feed yourself sure. on technically on $2.50, but sure. you're eating like five bags of chips right you know what i mean or right. or whatever or like four bags of chips and a banana if you could find a 50 right. cent banana maybe you can do a tuna but like right and like then. is there a banana available where you are we don't even know right, right um so there's that and you know if you break it down you make it like a 31 day month mm-hmm. and you do three meals a day that's less than a dollar 50 per meal so most americans spend an average this is not new york city this is across the country mm-hmm. spend seven dollars a day on food um and low-income americans spend about four dollars a day on food um it's it is really wild i was reading this thing that came out of the center for public health nutrition at the university of washington which like say what you want about studies but sometimes they got some good stats up in there for you um and so they did this thing where they said you know a 2000 calorie diet that had just junk food in it 
could cost you $3.42 mm. a day. So you can eat on less than $4 sure. a day. Sure. But if you want to eat the way that everybody's saying we should be eating, which mm-hmm. is a low energy, dense diet. First of all, I meaning like, I, don't, I think it's like, you know, your kale, you get your like, I don't know, you're okay. like your chicken, yeah, you're like yeah. organic grass. I don't even know what grass fed means. I'm like, who's being fed the grass? I'm unsure. Like, are they just eating it? What's like, happening? Pulling it out. Um, but that could be over $36 a day. And actually, I think it would be interesting if you're listening to think about like on average how much you really do spend per day mm-hmm. on food and then figure out how you could eat on, you know, three to four dollars a day. Yeah, because people have to do it every mm-hmm. day. All the time. Um, one of the things uh, that I had like a huh moment about when I was reading about food deserts is that um, so apparently there's like so, of course, we just went through all this, like telling you guys like the percentages about food deserts here and there. But I read this article that said apparently there's a strong chance that food deserts may actually even be underreported hmm. because um, there's an organization called or group called the North American Industry Classification System. And so this system basically classifies like different businesses or whatever in in different areas. And so this classification system places small corner grocery stores, a.k.a. bodegas, Mm -hmm. uh, into the same category into Mm. as stores as Safeway and Whole Foods. So your bodega on the corner God only knows if it's a good one, quote, good one or one that actually has food. And the whole foods are in the same category as a grocery store. It doesn't even make sense. It doesn't even like in what world. So I was like, that doesn't make sense. Like, why would they even do that? Well, uh, <laughs> you, you ask. <laughs> Funny you should ask. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. <laughs> so the NAICS, which is the North American Industry Classification System, was developed under the endorsement of the Office of Management and Budget. So this is a federal group that is responsible Mm -hmm. for federal budget development and execution, i.e. allocation of funds to different areas. Yep. So essentially this, you know, classification system that we have was developed and is used for (laughs) distribution of funds Mm -hmm. based on their findings. And if a bodega and a Whole Foods or name your grocery store is in the same classification system, it's a strong chance you can, you know... Make make that uh that mm-hmm. uh those reports say what you need or you want them to say. Definitely. Which it's just wild to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there are some questions to be asked. I think this this definitely raises some questions of like, you know, if to the layman, to us, to a normal person, knowing that um a bodega and corner store and a full grocery store, like how how who even believes that that should be in the same category, mm-hmm. you know, and knowing that the the office of budget and management or whatever is like basing a lot of decisions off of that, right. knowing that most of the the areas that are the low income areas are the ones that take the that suffer, you know, right. and don't get the funds that they need. So yeah. when looking, when thinking about like food deserts and everything, you know, it was kind of jarring for me to just take a step back and be like, first of all, the the numbers that we're looking at, maybe not even it may even be worse. So true. You know, um, yeah, no, it's, it's I'm getting I'm getting like I'm starting to talk real loud now. So I means I'm getting like, <laughs> let me let me bring it down. I'm with you. We do want to highlight some initiatives that have happened in New York City mm. to try to mm-hmm. work toward creating less food deserts, at least making them less sparse. Um, yeah. So they've had a couple of initiatives. They started one in 2009 called Fresh, which was incentives for food store developers to open stores in certain communities that were lacking access Mm. to healthy foods. So the green market, which is what a lot of people call farmer's market, 
Um, they have 46 locations in New York City and they accept SNAP, um, which is really cool. Um, you have to be able to get there, sure, obviously. Sure. Um, and it they're not always located um, in the food deserts mm-hmm. or in the right uh, place within the food desert for people to actually be able to access it. Um, but if you do spend SNAP money there um, for every $5 you spend, you get $2 to spend on fresh fruits and vegetables, which is really cool. They have a green card initiative as well, which is like the carts of fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. that you see around New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, so the issue is that they're not evenly distributed um, in high need targeted areas because they do they do focus on going into um, high need, meaning high need for fresh food sure, sure. Um, areas. And so it's kind of um, they might be like on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. Of that place so that they can be near the neighborhood mm-hmm. that's there. Because also, as we know, there is an income disparity usually between areas that are food deserts and aren't. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit market based, which yeah. that's challenging. Right. Because the truth is, is that the people running the carts also need to make income right, right. Um, to be able to bring home to their families right. as well. So um, I think finding that balance is probably super important. So there are folks out there, places and organizations who they're trying. I mean, it, obviously, it doesn't completely take away the the problem of food deserts but Mm -mm. you know there are folks out here that are actually trying to like make a dent and trying to make some change yeah you also i remember you telling me about something about like lyft recently too yes yes so um lyft the ride sharing app in case you don't know about it um in December of 2018, they started the Grocery Access Program. So they started in D.C. and it's available to two of the wards, which my understanding is a ward is like a district or a, like a neighborhood in New York City. Yeah, yeah. And in these two wards, there were only three full service grocery stores total for over 150,000 people. And like I was looking at the map and like it's far like the Dang. the supermarkets were far away from each other. Wow. Like you definitely were not yeah, trying yeah. to walk like from from one to right. your house. It's not it like a, a lovely by. stroll or whatever. No, it yeah. was like a walk. Um, and so they worked with a local nonprofit um, and they found, you know, they would serve up to a certain number of people mm-hmm. and offer flat fares to the grocery store. So oh, it would wow. be two dollars and fifty cents um, to be able to get to these three supermarkets um, and then be able to get home as well. So um, the thing that really appealed to me about this was that Lyft was able to take their business model and what they do well and apply it to a social issue that was happening. Right. Like that's like actual like what corporate social responsibility. That's like a prime example of like what a successful corporate responsibility program or initiative looks like. Right. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't have challenges or that, you know, like it's we're not saying like this is the the epitome. Right. It has its things, but it's about taking what they do well and saying, like, we understand that people are having Mm -hmm. access problems. And you know what we have? Vehicles. (laughs) (laughs) Vehicles, cars. Yeah. Drivers. Yeah. Like we have those things. So like maybe that's the thing that we can um can address. Um, And so also just wanted to highlight that they're part of something called the DC Food Access Consortium. Um, And so it's public and private organizations, which, you know, if you don't know, public private partnerships are real big right now, Um, not just in CSR, but like government as well. Um, And this consortium is trying to improve health outcomes for um, the district's residents in DC. And so um, just wanted to highlight that. I think they do have plans to expand it out. 
mm-hmm. um, as they can to different places. So, you know, hopefully we'll see yeah. more of that. And, you know, to me also, hopefully that inspires other companies, yeah. right? Because it doesn't just have to be one company doing this. And as a matter of fact, one company can't fix the problem, Absolutely right? Not, and yeah. CSR might not be able to fix the problem, but CSR can help us move forward on the problem. Absolutely. And I love how it seems like, you know, they asked the question of less of like, what can we do? And more so of like, where can we fit in? Because mm-hmm. I think, you know, one of the things that really stands out to me and really when we think about like how we support our communities around us, it's like less of like, OK, so what can I do? Or like what, you know, what needs to be done? It's less of what needs to be done, because I'm sure that's a long list of things. But mm-hmm. like, where do I fit in with what I have? You know, what am I good at? What am I strong with? So um, shout out to Lyft for that. That's, that's great. Yeah, it's cool. We are not sponsored by Lyft. <laughs> not at all. But we could be. All right. So to bring it home, um, this is a pretty entrenched, entrenched issue um, and everybody has a part in it. So um, what we can do as individuals um, and what I am definitely committing to doing, mm-hmm. especially since I highlighted it, is to let <laughs> Lyft know how I feel yeah. um, about their grocery access program. So I'm either going to Instagram them or send them an email or something like that mm-hmm. and let them know that I think it's great and ask them when they're coming to New York City with it. I mean, hopefully next. Yes. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I think one of the things for me like to do what I can, my next steps is just to honestly keep doing uh, some research because that whole like um, NAICS, uh, <laughs> you know, program with the Office of the Management Budget, that kind of like threw me for a loop. And I'm like, OK, so I need to dig deeper on that and see if there's anything as an individual, can I vote on something? Like, is is there a representative that stands for something specific? Um, so that's my to-do mm-hmm. um, for myself this week, uh, specifically on food deserts. It's to do a little bit more digging and see, you know, how I can impact, how we can impact that as individuals. Yeah. All right. So we have our to-dos. Yeah. If you have any thoughts on other to-dos that we could highlight, yes. or if you think that, Look, the the things that we're going to talk about are really nuanced. Yes, There's a lot of directions yes. we can take it. And if you think we missed a really important point, let us know. Mm-hmm. We would love to sort of every week go back and say, you know, X, Y, Z brought up mm-hmm. this point related to it that actually we really should have highlighted and we didn't. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we want to learn from you. So let us know how you feel. And if you feel strongly about us, <laughs> you can, uh, you know, Help us out. So we since we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts now, um, you know, subscribe, rate, review us on iTunes. Let us know how you're feeling. Let us know uh, if you love us. Uh, Hopefully you do. Um, And let's just keep the conversation going. So we definitely invite you to uh, send us your impact influencers, anything you're sipping on that you think we should know. Um, you know, like us, subscribe, rate, tell your friends um, and, you know, anything you think we should know, you can either slide into our DMs or you can email us because we open up a Gmail now. Uh, you can email <laughs> us at C-O-M-M-U-N-I-T-E-A dot P-O-D. That's community dot pod at Gmail. And we're also community dot pod at well we're on instagram (laughs) so either way get in touch with us um we really want to hear from you guys thank you for listening we appreciate your time that's a wrap on episode two thanks guys have a good week